Yes, it's Monday, and we all know what that means about now, don't we? Yes, we do indeed. It's time to talk about the paranormal with I, Kevin. Hello. I hope you're all doing fantastically well, as is the podcaster's mantra. But the thing is, when other podcasters say it, they don't mean it. I really do. I think we've established that fact by now. Anyway, what have we got in store for you today? Well, we have a story about a devil dog. Yes, you heard right. A double D. And I don't mean boobies. I mean a devil dog. A devil? A devil dog. Now, normally we would have a Patreon shout out too. But, oh, just broke my chair. But I don't have a guitar in the studio, so we're not going to do that. What we'll do instead, I thought, you know, because we're going to take a couple of weeks off from, is it next week? The week after next, I think. Anyway, whenever it is, I thought I'd save up any till then and we'll do a big, almost like a band session. It won't be, it'll just be me. But you know what I mean? We'll sing them all together. So no Patreon shout out this week. But that said, if you would like to join Patreon and you like this sort of waffle, forgive me, I'm trying to fix a watch as I speak. Now, I spent 90 quid on this fucking watch yesterday. It needed two links taken out. I took it to the watchmaker. She she, she absolutely battered it with a hammer. Like, the watch had hurt her children. And I was watching her smiling, but thinking, oh my fucking God. Anyway, she gave me it back. I got her home. The links fell out. And because, you know, I'm a shitbag, I done the manly thing of not going back and instead gluing them in to the £90 watch. So I've basically ruined the watch and it keeps opening on me now as well. If that weren't bad enough, I don't know. Trials and tribulations, everyone. But we do have a wonderful story about a devil dog. We're then going to take a visit to Becca's Terra of Turretness or Reddit Corner. But it's me. Yeah, because she's in Saudi Arabia. She arrives back this very day. Hence a bit of a late release for this episode because I had to tidy up because nobody wants the wrath of Rebecca when she arrives home and says, um, I hate that noise, um, because it normally ends with me going, I'm sorry. So anyway, so that's why this one's a little bit late going out. So that's what we're going to do. Hooray. Do we have anything paranormal to review or is this going to be a little bit shorter of an episode? Well, Interesting you should say that because I do have something slightly paranormal to review. And it's all thanks to our wonderful Wintag family member, Matt, who emailed... He didn't email me. It's not the 1920s, like the ad email then. He WhatsApp me and said, hey, you should watch this. And I thought, I will. And I always say this to people, and I never do. I'm one of them. Um, but I did, and it was good. So well done, Matt. <laughs> Round of applause for Matt, everyone. We all know Matt. Good old Matt. So yes. This is your paranormal review. Now, if you're new to the show, <laughs> I had to laugh at that. We don't get any new listeners. So basically, what this is, is a part of the show where I review something paranormal so you don't have to review it for yourself. Because that's utter nonsense, which is kind of what we do here on the show. Anyway, Matt suggested for me that I should watch a program on Amazon Prime called An Unknown Encounter, The True Account of the San Pedro Haunting. And I did. And I reluctantly did a first because it's on for over an hour. And I don't do anything over an hour when it comes to documentaries in general, unless it really hooks me in. And this one did because it wasn't what I expected. I'll tell you why. The case in question 
If you're into your paranormal, you know the picture. It's the picture of a guy in an 80s outfit, like denim jeans, tight white t-shirt. He's in an attic and there's a, like a ligature around his neck, like something's trying to hang him. You'll have seen the video even maybe of him going, I've just been hung. Um, and there's scratches on him and all that carrier. We, I've, I've seen that years before, but I've never known the true story behind it. Now, when Matt suggested this, I thought it was going to be like, if you remember the old TV channel, Bravo. Bravo! But do you remember the old TV channel where it was like really bad documentaries? Some good ones, but mainly bad ones. I thought it was going to be like that, but it's not. It's like, you know, it cuts to like experts in their field and um, researchers in certain psychological things. You know, it's, it's a, a very balanced documentary. Um, I won't give any spoilers because it's, I, I watched it fresh and I will just tell you the plot. Uh, but there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. So if you're sat there thinking, I've got nothing to do, I think I might do that thing off Alien where you get a knife and stab it between your fingers. Don't do that. If you've got Amazon Prime, go over there right now. Well, not right now. Whenever you, you know, you've got the time. And go and watch An Unknown Encounter, The True Haunting of the San Pedro Haunting. And let's all thanks, thanks? Let's all thank Matt for that wonderful suggestion. Thanks, Matt. Can you hear clapping on this microphone? I don't know whether you should or you shouldn't be able to. It's allegedly top of the range. So therefore, anything outside of its purview should not be picked up. It looks like clapping's getting picked up, which is fair enough, you know, because Matt deserves those bloody applause. Anyway, for this particular documentary, 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 I'm going to say two thumbs up, like at a 45 degree angle to the sky. Okay, so still up but not completely up, not completely out, in between the two. Yes, it's my favourite time of the week, my most favourite... Oh, what's the song? It's the most favourite time of Kev's week, where the ghosts all go haunting and people go running in fear for their lives. It's the most... You know what? Um, I... <laughs> This sounds like a terrible thing to say. I mean it in a jokey way. Okay. But like, I'm a singer-songwriter. I'm not asked. I'm good at it. You know, it's the one of the one things in my life that I like, I'm a very like self-deprecating person. But when it comes to singer-songwriting, I know I'm good. You know, I'm not asked. I'll be quite proud to say that. Fair play me. Pat on the back. Everything else in life, I'm shit. But that, I'm pretty good. Um, but I really enjoy it when someone believes they've got a good crooner voice and they believe it so strongly they put it out there to people. Do you know what I mean? I mean, fair play to them. Do you know what I mean? But like when somebody's like, oh, I get a kick from champagne. And you're like, fucking hell. Uh, don't know what to do. Like. Um, that was a social media thing there. I was acting it out. You couldn't see it because, you know, we're not on TV yet. Anyway, shall we get on with the show? I think we shall. It is my favorite part of the show because we get to listen to your true paranormal experiences. And last week, Claire sent us an abundance of tales, ones which will see us right through to the to, to, the, to our break that we're going to take. Make it a rhyme there, sorry. Anyway, this one from Claire is called the devil dog, double D, not Dolly Parton, 
Devil dog. From the age of nine, I began to hear the sound of a dog panting loudly in my room at night. We didn't have a dog. Just a budgie and some fish, so it was pretty unsettling. It was so loud that I would have to cover my head with my pillow to block out the sound. I was never brave enough to look out and see if there was anything in the room. I just hid under the covers and waited for the morning to come or to finally fall asleep. This wouldn't happen every night, but it happened sporadically over the years. Until one night, when I was around 13, things got a lot scarier. Now, this is going to sound ridiculously cliched, but it is burned in my memory, and I swear this is how it happened. As I'd mentioned before, I always had my curtains open as I was scared of being in the dark. I slept with my head facing the window and my feet pointed at the wall opposite it, where I could watch the shadows of the tall beech trees at the top of our garden swaying back and forth in the breeze. In brackets, I found it relaxing as I drifted off to sleep. Close brackets. I suffered from insomnia a lot and that night I was really struggling to get to sleep. It was getting later and later, and a storm was starting up too, which actually made me happy, as I find the rain and thunder soothing. I laid there, enjoying the sound of the rain and watching the shadows of it running down the window, visible with every flash of lightning. My enjoyment stopped, when in the next flash I saw the shadow of a large wolf-like dog start to cross the light from the window cast onto my wall. Now there's no way it could have been an actual dog, wandering along a roofline or a fence somehow, casting a shadow. There are no houses behind mine. No walls, no fences tall enough to allow something like this to cast a shadow. Not only that, but unnervingly, the dog or wolf or thing was too large to have been at the same distance as the trees. It was somehow closer, despite there only being grass between the trees and the back of our house. I remember laying there paralysed with fear when the next flash of lightning came. This one seemed longer, giving at least two or three seconds of light, and the dog creature had taken another step, stopped and turned its head towards the house, towards me. Shaken from my paralysis, I again dove under that magical shield against ghosts, the occult, burglars, etc., my wonderful duvet, and I lay there terrified. I did not sleep a wink, and in the morning, I leapt out of my bed to tell my parents what had happened. As soon as I heard them up and about, that is. 
but they, in typical 90s parenting fashion, told me not to be so stupid, that I was obviously dreaming, in brackets, even though I looked like I had two black eyes from not sleeping all night and being terrified. And they told me to go and get ready for school. Sigh. This is another one that gives me the heebie-jeebies. You guessed it. From that day on, I slept with the curtains drawn too. Because there was no way in hell I ever wanted to see that shit again. Claire. Well, thank you so much as ever, Claire, for such a wonderful experience. A terrifying experience, all told. I don't know what I'd do. You know... It's rare, really, isn't it, when you think about it? We always have the imagination, you know, from a terrifying point of view of looking at your bedroom doorway in the middle of the night and there being a human figure stood there staring back at you. But you don't think about an animal. I don't, anyway. I'd be like, there's a fucking dog in the house. I would, whereas if it was a man, I'd be like, it's the devil. Do you know what I mean? There's a disconnect. One which probably says more about me than it does about everyone else, but it's there, and I'm very conscious of it. So thank you as ever, Claire, and we look forward to your two remaining stories over the next few shows. Right, now it's time for me to steal the keys to the Turrets of Terror and climb those wooden steps without any sound effects. I put them in, I think, during the show. And um, we're going to go up and have a Becca's Reddit Corner featuring none other than not Becca. Ladies and gentlemen, now it is time for Paranormal Reddit Corner with Becca. Yes, welcome to Becca's Reddit Corner. I am doing it myself. Yes, I am. I'm doing it on the, what is now the old handheld. I'm giving it a second chance, but we'll see how the recording pans out. If it's going it will never be used again. In fact, it will be cast into the fires of Mordor. I have access. Anyway, so I've used the key that I found in the secret dungeon lair, although she's in the turret, and I've used it to open the turret door. Creak. Um, very small door. And I've um, walked up the stairs, plonk, plonk, plonk. I don't know why I'm doing sound effects. Anyway, I'm going to do Reddit Corner. We're now in the turret. It's time. I've got a Reddit story in front of me. And interestingly, interestingly enough, it's from my own fair city. And it's so fresh off the press. It is literally, and I quote, let me just see. Two hours old? Two hours old? Honest to God? I was about to say there are newborn children older than this. No, that's impossible. Unless, no, that's still impossible. Anyway, shall we crack on? Yes, I think we shall. Obviously, with it being so fresh, like a newborn baby, there are no comments made. Well, I suppose people would say, ah, oh, that's lovely. Ah, oh, he's got your eyes. But um, no one said anything. Well, there's one comment. So should we see how we get on anyway? I'll shut up. So this is called Platform Encounter in a Liverpool Underground Station. Dun dun dun. Several years ago, I was waiting for a train to take me from Moorfield Station to Lime Street Station, which are both in Liverpool, UK. Now, 
I hope for the person writing this story, it was raining because it's about a five minute walk. But if you're not from the city, I get it because there's many times I've been to London and I've been like, best get the tube and I've gone like across the road. So anyway, I was waiting on the Northern Line platform, which was quiet as only myself and a handful of other passengers were waiting for the delayed train, we do suffer, um, to arrive whilst I was on my phone talking to my wife. It is common for the station to be quieter during the day, as it's located within the business district of the city, and the time was about 11 o'clock on a Thursday morning. I know that I that it was a Thursday as I was on my way to Lime Street to change trains to get to a hospital appointment with my specialist who only works in Broad Green Hospital on that particular day. Very Liverpool-centric, this. Um, Broad Green is a heart hospital, so we can infer from there that this individual had a heart defect. Isn't it strange what you can pick up just by train routes? Anyway. Um, I think it does other stuff as well, obviously. I was slowly making my way... I hope not too slow. I hope he wasn't mid-cardiac arrest. I was slowly making my way up and down the platform as I waited and waited and was starting aimless... Sorry, staring aimlessly into the vast darkness of the tunnel from which my train was now overdue by several minutes talking to my wife on the phone as I heard running from behind me. I carried on with my conversation, as I never thought anything strange about it initially, and it was quite a distance away from me at the time. So I never even turned around or gave it a second thought. I knew the end of the platform, and the footsteps get closer and closer and louder. So I turned around, to find no one near me, and the noises continued until they passed me by, and faded as they carried on into the tunnel. My blood ran cold as I relayed the incident to my wife on the phone, and I couldn't stop thinking about it until I got home. To this day, I have tried to rationalise the incident by putting it down to the way that sound travelled underground. But that was not the case, as I heard running footsteps pass by me within inches and carry on into a darkened tunnel. Does anyone have any ideas what this could have been? Anything down to... Sorry. Oh, does anyone have any ideas what this could have been down to? Or have you experienced something similar on an underground train platform? And one person said, it could be a residual haunting. Fucking hell. And that was by Johnny Obvious. No, it wasn't. Um, what an interesting story. What an interesting story. The most interesting part for me with that is it catches you. Because you expect, and I turned round, and nothing. And it stopped. But no, he turned round and it ran past him. Into the darkened tunnel. Now, you know, the thing is, it's different. Lime Street, not Lime Street. Liverpool's underground situation is different than other cities. And what I mean by that is, if you're thinking about like the London Underground, 
it's perpetually moving and also the tunnels are smaller in london underground you know they're very well built i'm not saying they're the any younger in fact they're much older arguably but they're very well built you know they just about fit the train liverpool's a bit different um the tunnels are larger and you know they get the design to go under the river mersey and things like that so they i suppose they have to be to bear weight but because of the infrequency of the trains you get much longer banks of time where you have nothing but you and two corridors into darkness you don't get that in london you get constant i mean because london's got such a fucking amazing transport system that like if a train's a minute late people moan and then there's one along in two minutes they're like every three minutes in liverpool if you miss a train you could be waiting 20 minutes then the next one so when you're underground like that you know it can be a little bit weird especially that time of day if there's no one else about and is just as i say it's just you and two tunnels left and right here looking literally into the darkness i've always i've never really thought if i'm being honest about just how spooky liverpool's underground can be one thing i will i've made like a pact to myself that i'm going to be more brazen over the next 12 months um when I say over the next 12 months, I just mean in general that I'm going to start just fucking going up to people who work at places with a recorder and saying, is it haunted here? Tell me your story. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I'm thinking more in lines with we're very, we're here for a very short time. Why the airs and graces? Why the, oh, I couldn't possibly, you know, tell me what you need. Tell me everything you know, sort of thing, that attitude. So, I uh, I think going down to the likes of Central Station in Liverpool, which is at the bottom of um, Bold Street, and Bold Street itself is a myriad of tunnels. Do you know there was a guy, I forget his name, I think it was Huskisson. Yeah, I think it was Huskisson. He was an entrepreneur and then a philanthropist in Liverpool way back in the day. And this is weird. This is like weird Liverpool history. He paid people who were looking for work to dig tunnels. Now, these tunnels, no one, there was no rhyme or reason for them. But he, he knew where he wanted them to dig, or dug even, and he knew the directions they wanted to go, and he paid these people. He was basically employing people who couldn't get jobs. He was doing a very good thing. But he wanted tunnels dug under the city. They called him the Mole of Edge Hill. And I live in Edge Hill now. In fact, the entrance to his tunnels is literally a five-minute walk up the road. Never been. Never going to be. Because um, I'm a lazy bastard. But my point is, what an interesting eccentric, eccentric thing to do. It reminds me of um, the Anglican Cathedral. Because there's a series of houses opposite. the. Now, the Anglican Cathedral is built in a quarry, Right. And I've said this before, it houses about 60,000 bodies, genuinely, mainly due, due to bad workhouse conditions. Uh, the Irish famine played a large part in it. Um, 
but it's built in a quarry. So when you go into it, you actually go down into the quarry. There are what look like cliff faces on the side. There's a natural spring that was found that water still comes from. And people still drink from. Lunatics. But people still drink from. I wouldn't drink from a natural stream found in a city if you paid me. I probably would if you paid me enough. But anyway. um, Now, what is interesting is if you look at... So picture this with me, right? You walk up a little hill, there's the cathedral. To the left of the cathedral is a little gullyway that leads down into the quarry, okay? Now, within this massive quarry, there's loads of gravestones. There's a monument to Huskisson, actually, there. I think it's a Huskisson. Anyway, but there's a, it's a huge quarry. Now, on the if the, the cathedral was now on your right, up the hill of this quarry, on your left, there is a series of sandstone walls, and that's where the, the spring is at the bottom. But these sandstone walls have two things. One, they have a sort of, I'm going to say Egyptian pyramid sort of thing, but it's not. But like a walkway that allows you to get from the bottom to the top by going zigzag up, if you know what I mean. But also they have um, arches every so many spaces that are now bricked up. But it turns out the houses on the road opposite that, which faced the cathedral, um, I think it's called Falconer Terrace now, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, But those houses were first made and purchased by sea merchants. And one of the selling points of the houses was that your basement gave you direct access to your family vault, which was within that wall of sandstone. So when you look at these arches of sandstone, you're you're looking at someone's vault that is weirdly connected underground to the houses, which it's now, they've now, sadly, and I hate it when this happens, these beautiful mansions of splendor and grandeur have now been broken up into flats an apartment and you know you could say well more houses uh, i know no sorry if something's beautiful leave it alone do you know what i mean high ceilings and chandeliers leave it alone uh beauty is getting eroded away at the cost of well at the cost of a conservative government in my opinion but anyway moving swiftly on um it's a magnificent thing this whole structure i may go and visit it today i'm not but I might if I find the impetus, I might. Um, it's a shame that really I can't do a bit of a guided tour to give you this. I should work on that. I'll find a way. Maybe I'll do that. Well, here's an interesting one. I did say I was going to take a break, didn't I? Um, so in case you didn't hear, when the... Because I do two other shows. I do The Dark Paranormal and I do The Deadly Countdown. They run seasonally meaning 10 episodes per season, then they have a two-week break, right? We're going to take a two-week break on Wintag because I need it. And um, what I might do for the final episode of Wintag, which will be a week Monday, is point you during that episode to a video. I might put a link in the notes, do you know what I mean? Um, and I'll go out and try and do a video of the cathedral, of those stones, of those houses, that sort of thing. I think that'll be quite good. 
that'd be a nice way to sign off for a couple of weeks. Anyway, as ever, thank you for listening. I'd say thank you on behalf of Becca. I'm sure she would too say thank you. And of course, thank you on behalf of the neighbour's cat, who today has been very needy. She's missing her mum, but she's back tomorrow, so... She won't be back in time to do this because she's not back till about 3pm UK time. And this will well be out by then. But until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Tidy bye all. (laughs) 